0: presents Night Drift with Jim Perry. Good evening. I'm Jim Perry, and you are listening to Night Drift, presented by Ephimet. Broadcasting this week from my home studio in the hinterlands of the Oregon coast to our mothership, the studio of 1150 AM KKNW in Seattle and worldwide. At nightdrift.com tonight nathan paul isaac will join us for the entire program his podcast penny royal returned last week with a second season and it's all about high strangeness on the penny royal plateau the magic and mystery of place this one a dark and bloody ground a history of the brutally anomalous both magical and human that's tonight it's going to be a great conversation with Nathan. Also returning this week was You've met the podcast, my podcast, the documentary series. It, it's back, and and this week a, a story about a girl named Caitlin. She escaped her small town only to be followed by something else. And and thank you for listening. The messages, the excitement around this new season. A new episode will be released shortly, if not next week, the week after on the UFAMet feed. The reason being I, I moved the show to a new platform and the ad program haven't quite kicked in yet, causing our production timeline to hit just a tiny stag as we set upon a very ambitious schedule this year. We'll keep you posted over on social media at UFAMet. And next tonight is Nathan Isaac on Penny Royal. And we'll also be taking your calls tonight, 425-373-5527, or toll-free in western Washington, that's 888-298-5569, on Night Drift, right after this.
1: I've been drifting on the sea of heartbreak, trying to get myself ashore for so long.
0: For so long, listening to the stranger stories,
1: wondering where it all went wrong for so
0: on social media at ufomet e-u-p-h-o-m-e-t you drive through a pool of gore and you turn around and you see you're making tracks on the road with blood coyote blood it's one of the many statements made in the penny royal series that is cutting telling and exposes you to the nakedness of a strange strange place and its violent history out front of your headlights on a dusty road. Then an outsider came to the county, this county in Kentucky, and discovered it had some weird stuff occurring, living witnesses to monsters, occult, origins, bodies, buried. Later, surrounded by a few friends, they dug into the weird history of this place, of these people, of the Penny Royal Plateau nathan paul isaac is a writer filmmaker and host creator of the penny royal podcast a native of kentucky he has been researching the folklore mystery and high strangeness of the bluegrass state for over two decades in addition to the penny royal podcast nathan films and produces the music series summer sessions nathan welcome back to night drift
1: oh jim man thanks so much for having me back
0: I got so many comments from your last appearance on the show we did just two weeks ago, and uh, so, uh, you know, I'm welcoming you back with uh, as as little hyperbole as possible, my friend, as uh, I think a lot of people are excited to hear from you, and a lot of people are listening to Penny Royal. Um, So, listen, so last time you described to me the weird signs and graffiti that started popping up downtown after the debut of your first season, and you sent me the photos, um i'll with your permission i'll share those when this thing is posted to the feed but but for for now you know an example someone spray painted on a roof this town is a cult (laughs) right yeah so season two debuted last week did anything happen this time
1: no no so so far nothing right um but uh it's been it's been weird in a different way um there's some the we've Two, two episodes have, have released. Um, yeah. We're doing one episode a week. and um, you know, the first episode was sort of just laying the groundwork for what the season was going to be And, you know th- and that's that's how the first season unfolded, that's how this season's going to unfold is uh, each episode builds on the last, mm-hmm. you know it's it's this uh, laying the groundwork to understand sort of the phenomena that we found ourselves studying and uh, researching. So second uh, episode involves um, a mysterious figure called or named uh, James Shelby Downer Jr., which some people may be familiar with yeah. um, if they've read any of um, uh, Apocalypse Culture that was published by uh, Adam Parfrey. I think a, you know, a lot of people will be yeah. familiar Feral with House. him. Yeah, Feral House. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, you know, that episode is definitely a little bit more, it's definitely the most controversial piece that I've put out. Right? Uh, There's some
0: controversial characters, man. Some like yeah. really heavy controversial ideas.
1: Yeah, and so, um, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not saying I'm nervous about things like that. I, you know, with all of this, I try to <laughs> <laughs> approach it with uh, uh, very kit gloves. You know, um, sure. I tr- I tried not to, um. Uh, you know, definitely be defamit, you know, defamatory or say anything. But, you know, at the same time I, I still needed to address the issues of those people, you know. Um and if you've listened yeah. to the episode, you know, I'm not gonna name anybody, but but definitely it's it's one of those things that I didn't expect to be delving into. And yeah. it's um you know, there there are two more episodes that sort of go deeper into this. But it, you know, wow. It's I think it's it's important to talk about some of this stuff, you know?
0: Um, so, so you said that, you know, a- after, you know, posting these last two episodes, there's already been a little bit of a, a, a unique reaction that you may have not been expecting. W- what was that then?
1: Uh, just, uh, um, yeah, there are some some individuals that are uh, Holocaust uh, revisionists, I guess they refer to themselves as, oh, and, no. um, and some people that are involved in you know, in the 1970s and 80s, uh, historically, that were uh, in the sort of, um, you know, you don't want to say people that were Nazis, but, you know, white National Socialist Party, sure. uh, 1970. So um, it, it deals a little bit with sort of the Liberty Lobby stuff. I, I just found this weird intersection between a lot of extremist far right stuff in the 1970s and 1980s that intersected with the Fordian community. Mm. Um, especially yeah. now, you know, so right.
0: well, it, even, uh, even now that is something that is occurring that is pretty stressful as someone that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't identify with any sort of sector group, but, um, a, a 40 probably I am. And, uh, it is kind of alarming the rate of individuals that were prominent within that community that, that have revealed themselves as like sort of, uh, super conservative or, or, or MAGA folks. It's, it's yeah. very strange to me.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's it's been strange to me too, and especially talking to some of the guys, like um, you know Adam Go Rightly or you know Michael Hughes is is in the the show later. Just some of these figures that are in the forty community who have been there for decades, you know, and and yeah. they're they're telling me how they've seen how how they've seen things shift. Um, but you know, I think that's this season is very important to me um, to communicate sort of where some of these ideas that mm-hmm. because you know a lot of the stuff that that i've been looking into in terms of synchro mysticism um and and you know I, I think because of the success of hellier um, a lot more people are into what i would call synchro mysticism you know synchronicities right. and and I that's getting a lot of attention right now and i think it's important to look at where some of the foundational parts of those ideas come from you know it's not it's not it's not so simple just to be like oh i'm into coincidences right because (laughs) you know like it's 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 a little bit more nuanced than that and and so i i really part of it became that but part of the the season's story is understanding historically how we got to this point, and where mm. a lot of this stuff came from. and and really, it's just my personal research. you know I, I didn't know a lot of this stuff. yeah, um mm. and and so I've really tried to take the listener this season along for that ride, the same, yeah. you know ride that I've been on.
0: So. Well, it's really funny that you bring that up, and uh, I guess I haven't thought about it in this way, but it all makes sense because I, I've thought of something in relationship to to sort of occult practices and, and magical practices in the same way, in that now because of the easy access of information for everyone, right, uh, the, the lack of barriers, probably that should not be there for a lot of people to gain certain information, access certain things. Right. Um, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but you you basically have a lot of folks that when it comes to synchromysticism, synchronicities or these these very strange dark corners of the paranormal, you know, these are places that one would typically arrive after reading book after book after newsletter after conference like you, you really had to work to find yourself in some of these deep dark corners or you know in in the early 90s maybe it was uh, being a part of certain Yahoo you know chat groups or something or message boards you could potentially find yourself there but, but there wasn't um, this sort of saturation of um, the uninitiated that would find themselves in these places without a lot of work and now You are seeing a lot of people that uh, a series like Hell Year, right? Or even quite a bit of Euphemet, like we're kind of pulling the rug out from a lot of people and and they're falling deep very quickly.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I've I've always been
0: kind of concerned about that in a way.
1: No, I I hadn't thought about that. That's true. That um, definitely, you know, this is something that we just recently started looking at. Um, you know, you can only find so much stuff online, especially people like Downard, right? Yeah. Um, but we started diving into the old Usenet groups, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people have archived alt dot conspiracy, and I've never looked at that stuff. And, and if you do a Google search, you're not going to find anything. You've got to go into these archives, right? Wow. And so when you go into these archives, it's a treasure trove of weirdness, right? And <laughs> and and I'm I mean, there were conspiracies and. And and I'm saying like well researched stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know uh, that that like people have all the citations and these things that I've never even heard of, and so yeah, definitely I think there it took a bit of work to and hours spent digging around and and sort of educating yourself and then talking to this guy. Hey, you got a copy of this? This thing's not available. You know, it's like right. the the right, series right. the series Rising tapes, right? We yeah, talk right, about right, right. Say, tape you trading. Know, dude it (laughs) took me forever to get those right and 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 right now some some people are like well why don't you just release those or why hasn't someone released those but it's not you know those are kind of things that do you want to release that there's a lot of of stuff on there that someone who's not taking the time to sort of build a foundation to understand some of this stuff right like exactly what you were saying Mm. um it can trip them up i think Uh, when they're exposed to this because you've got to have the context i think you mm-hmm. have to have the context to to look at some of this more esoteric stuff you know we've I mean?
0: seen more than ever how unresponsible misinformation gets out there almost as if a virus and can change the course of our human narrative very quickly with 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 bs right
1: yeah and and, and that that's that's the other thing that I really want to tackle, you know, this season in which people will, will listen to is this idea of narratives and, and of controlling narratives, you know, that people that are, that are, that are good at, um, repurposing folklore. Mm. Um, I'm not sure Have you, do you, um, are you familiar with hookland hookland at all? No. Um, tell us about it. it. It's, um, um, a, it's a Twitter account. Um, that is online out of england and so it's a fictional um a fictional county that doesn't exist right and so there's all this weird occult stuff that happens but um in that story um there's a lot of uh he he tackles this idea of fascism stealing The local folklore and so he's he's built this as a project to combat against that um and so you know it's just one of those things that uh, i got into it i I started reading it and at first i swear i didn't realize that it was um that it was actually not a real place at first (laughs) (laughs) right right And and then the deeper that i got into it i was like oh okay right you know and um And so, yeah, I've just been fascinated by that because folklore is such a big part of Penny Royal, you know, this idea of how place affects people and how people affect place. And I think the space between those two things is really where uh, folklore emerges, right? That's where stories emerge, local stories. And and, um, and yeah, I, I think even within online communities, you know, within the Fortean community, within, you know, I mean, God, think of like UFO Twitter, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of just like these communities have emerged and they have their own folklore, Mm -hmm. even online. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and yeah, I I think that we have to educate ourselves on, on how, how much, how, what a significant force narrative is, in our lives in terms of shaping what our reality is, because we see the world through the stories that we tell ourselves. And so we have to make sure that we are in control of those stories and they're not being hijacked by someone else.
0: Yes, exactly. And, you know, when we're starting to talk about the potentiality of some of this phenomenon being potentially participatory, right? That, that, that narrative, uh based off influence could be influencing what that phenomena is then it becomes even more implicit the responsibility of of helping shape that narrative with context with grounded context doesn't it <laughs> yeah yes yeah that, yeah yes
1: that's exactly it and and so i mean i just think that's so important because especially right now anyone can make A documentary you know anyone can uh, can tell stories right right um and so i i think there's a there's an inherent responsibility on the part of the storyteller uh Mm -hmm. to his listeners to his or her listeners and so yeah especially in these communities right now because i don't know man it's just it's sort of unprecedented i think um and, and it's it's not like things like this weren't happening back in the 1980s but like oh, you right. said or it's even just, before yeah exactly yeah yeah i mean it goes all the way back but right now we have such incredible access to everything and anything mm-hmm. that um yeah we just have to uh, i mean it's wonderful too because now we can access a plethora of stories Yes. That we would have never been able to, you know, that you would have had to have known someone that had a, you know, had the clippings, right. you know, from a newspaper to be able to see. now we can, we can see all these things. And, oh, and
0: um, have folks involved in it that never would have had access or the ability to be involved in before.
1: Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. I
0: yeah. mean, it, it, no longer is the field just a bunch of white dudes standing around, you know, yeah. just to be yeah, honest, I, you know?
1: No, and, and that was, that was a big thing, I think, that I realized at the end of season one was that it was a bunch of white dudes talking about (laughs) strange stuff, (laughs) you know? And I thought, Uh you know, I'm not representing any uh, female voices in the community. Um, You know, there just wasn't any diversity. And Mm -hmm. so really this season, the second season, I've really tried to include a wide, you know, diversity of people um, and, and just to have voices from all over the community um, and uh, kind of across the spectrum politically you know um um, there's there's it's i don't know it just was really important for me to to capture a sort of a large swath of of opinions and perspectives Uh, but how much
0: more rich does that become that uh, narrative right so much more
1: yeah that's and and that's the thing i i I feel the (laughs) first i always say this because i think it's kind of funny but you know the first matrix film was very like focused on those characters Mm -hmm. and then the second matrix film was like a little bit of a wider sort of uh chunk of the world Mm -hmm. and so that's what you know penny roll feels like for me is that the first season was very focused on us you know here in this town and what was happening here and so the second season really widens Mm -hmm. out that that perspective so that that it's uh a little bit more you know it becomes national it's a, a a national story you know even beyond that
0: right well uh not to be a hater here but i'm already enjoying the second season much more than matrix 2 so uh, <laughs> right. yeah, that you yeah, have that going on anyway i i feel like we have a, you know uh, i threw out my format and my questions out the window as soon as we started talking here and for folks that are just tuning in right now you know i'm talking to nathan paul isaac He is the producer, the creator, the the host of Penny Royal podcast, which explores a a very strange slice of America that really is sort of this vortex or this intersection between paranormal activity and and really the foundation of American conspiracy and uh, (laughs) some very strange sort of dangerous goings-on. But, you know, real quick before we go to the break, can, can you tell me in about a minute where Penny Royal is? What are, what are we talking about when we're talking Penny Royal, Nathan? Okay,
1: yeah, so we're, we're talking about a region in uh, south-central Kentucky um, that stretches sort of where the, from where the Appalachian Mountains are westward to about Hopkinsville, where everybody's familiar with the Hopkinsville goblins, you know, sure. um, and so that's the western part. But it's a plateau um, in the central part of Kentucky. It's kind of a, a triangle of sorts. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, geographically we're, we're right above the mammoth cave system and, uh, a, a bunch of other cave systems that kind of stretch across Kentucky. Um, but it's, it's a very unique landscape of karst and sinkholes and caverns, you know? Uh,
0: well, when we come back, I'm going to ask you more about some of the strange things that occur there. And know last time you told me a little bit about Sky Falls. And, and a meatfall that was uh, directly by there. And we'll go a little bit in that potentially, but but we'll talk about what's happening on Pulaski County and also talk about a story, something really personal that has happened to you since you started producing this work. And again, if you want to call into the podcast to ask any questions, Nathan, Paul, Isaac, or of me, you can do that. And that number is 425-373-5527 or toll-free in Western Washington, 888-298-5569. That's here on Night Drift. We are back here on Night Drift. If you want more of the program, you can find it on the Euphomet feed, wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, visit euphomet.com and make sure to follow us across social media, at Euphomet. And do you have a paranormal experience that has maybe changed your life, given you new perspective, something you just can't shake that you feel like you need to share? Well, you can share it with me at jim at ufamet.com, and maybe potentially you can be a feature on the program. As for tonight, you heard the call in numbers. If you'd like to join the conversation, go ahead and give us a ring. I'm back here with Nathan Paul Isaac of the Penny Royal Podcast, talking about the series and high strangeness of Pulaski County, Kentucky. Welcome back to the show, Nathan. Hey, Jim. Thanks, man. Thanks. So we got heavy into philosophy there. And maybe we'll steer right back on the, the dusty dirt road there in Kentucky and get back to some of the other things that people are actually experiencing down in Pulaski County.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is that's the, the you know, the, the show initially was, was me looking into why this partic- particular place experiences so much strange phenomena. You know, it's, 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 you know, we talked about this the last time I mentioned the, um, the Kentucky anomaly, you know, that this is this specific County is right in the center of what NASA refers to as the Kentucky anomaly, which is the largest spike of geomagnetic uh, energy in North America. Right. Uh, Sedona, Sedona is the other, you know, other spike. And there's one in Alaska, but strangely enough, right here in Kentucky, uh, is the biggest, and they don't know why. But he, you know, I, I, the question that I was posing initially was, you know, there's this preponderance of UFO sightings here, cryptid sightings. Uh, people see alien big cats, um, lots of hmm. strange, <laughs> lots of strange things, and and people have had time slips. Uh, people have experienced uh, gravity anomalies because the surface gravity here is slightly different than the rest of North America because of the uh, the Kentucky anomaly really? and yeah, I really liked it and there there's a lot of stuff that you can read about this um, and once i I started to collect stories from people, of course, in the back of my mind was always is this the anomaly is that what's causing this right. um, how yeah. could
0: you not at that point yeah,
1: yeah, and so um, and and you wonder if it's attracting things here um there's also a a very famous uh meteor strike uh here in 1919 uh the Hmm. um cumberland falls meteor and they've never recovered they 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 recovered a 54 pound uh piece of the meteor but a larger a a piece larger than 54 pounds has never been recovered and it's Mm. somewhere in the county you know it's like did the kentucky anomaly draw that down um, right. But uh, but yeah, th- there's a ton tons of weird things. Uh, one of my my absolute favorite stories, and this was reported to Mufon. And I think it was in I think 2012. Off at my notes, but um, it was a sighting of this large translucent flying manta ray, oh, and right in and, and uh, slightly south of uh, Somerset in an area called Burnside, and it was a very detailed account, and they could, the person, the witness could see the stars through the body of this thing. But oh my gosh. Um, I think, you know, Coast to Coast has had a few witnesses too. That's not the first time I've heard one of these sort of biological UFO, uh, you know, sightings. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and uh, I think, is it eSEti East East or. Um,
0: he said the ranch
1: yeah the ranch yeah. up there there's a mm-hmm. siding on that ranch of that's the first place that i'd ever heard of one of these manta ray sightings a and crazy, then crazy
0: crazy place that yeah, you don't yeah need to come up and visit with me when you have a chance
1: have you have you been there
0: i have yeah twice. Uh,
1: is it really really crazy
0: <laughs> uh, listener listeners you've met have probably heard this story so i won't fully get into it here but but I'll tell you off air, you know, I had experiences there that have dramatically changed my life. I'll put it really? that way. Wow. And seen and experienced things that I just can't rationally explain and that have really prompted uh, a good portion of my exploratory work with Ufemet. Yeah. Wow.
1: Well, yeah. well I mean, that's that's how I feel about this place. You know, this yeah. it's become that for me. You know, I moved down here as an outsider and you know, when I began to to collect all these stories and and things began to happen to me, it really, it, it just, you know, it feels like home now because it's so personal on a on this weird, phenomena level. You know, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like able it's, to
0: tuck into the weird there. Huh? It's
1: it's weird. You know, I, I guess I just never. And, and you know, I'm someone who I grew up and I always wanted to find mysteries. You know, I love Scooby-Doo, you know, and, and so f- having all of this sort of fall into my lap, um, you know, uh, the stuff too, you know, not to get off from the the weird sightings, you know, but there, there's just tons of stuff. The, 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 the number one thing that I probably hear from people here, uh, you know, when I'm interviewing them here um, involves these black cat sightings, these black Panther sightings.
0: Really? Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I've got, hundreds of stories, you know, from people about this, and there are no melanistic black panthers north of Mexico in the United mm. States. Right. And so what are people seeing, you know, and, and, and uh, the Daniel Boone National Forest, which is is right beside Pulaski County in, in, in the Eastern part of it, you know, they, they absolutely will not acknowledge that any of these sightings are true, but people are seeing these large six foot cats but when you dive into Fordian research, right, you find all of this literature about the sightings of these large alien black cats around ancient uh, earthworks um, and you know wow. standing stones and things. And so here in Pulaski County, we have some of the Adena mounds, which are you know the Hopewell people, the Adena people, um, and uh, that's where a lot of these sightings happen and sightings really? of yeah. Yeah. And, and, and some researchers have correlated this with some type of like thinning of the veil or that, you know, it's easier for these things to, to cross over. But uh, you know, in England, you know, it's, it's an Island. There are no, there are no giant black cats native there, but people see those things like the, that's right. um, you know, the beast of Exmoor, you know, all yeah. that stuff. But there's a correlation there even with, these ancient earthworks and so um, it's 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 John Keel's window areas right you know that, that that maybe somehow there's a correlation between window areas and and these regions so
0: you know, looking back, you know I, I'm I'm sure you've read a, a ton of Keel. You referenced him. I, I think a lot of his work is probably kind of a di, di, you know a divining rod for a lot of us within this community right now that are that are fascinated by these type of topics. Right? W- what what do you feel like if you had to speculate? What do you feel Keel would feel about the Pennyroyal Plateau and and what you're you know sort of discovering about it at this point in time?
1: I think he would definitely be digging into it hardcore, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, so much, so, so many strange things happened when you, you know, read about the, the Mothman sightings, mm-hmm. the, and I'm not even talking about the paranormal stuff. It was like mm-hmm. the other things that were happening to him, the phone calls, yeah. the uh, people parading as him, um, all of these things that were sort of paranoia inducing. Right. Right. Mm-hmm that seemed to be a symptom of high strangeness, right? right? There's the, there's the seeing Bigfoot or seeing the, the UFO, but then there's, you know, after you see the UFO, you've got poltergeist activity in your house, right? <laughs> or you start receiving weird phone calls or you start seeing these things. And, and it's like, what is that part of it? And, and digging into the Penny Royal mystery those things started to happen you know that's Mm. what i was trying to document is it's the weirdness and it's the way that the weirdness becomes personal it really Mm. becomes very personal and very it it takes what you feed into it and and really creates this weird feedback loop and and where what you're giving it is changing the story you know and, and it really does make you a part of the story um in a in a way that's so personal it's difficult to to tell people to explain to people what it is and why it's happening you know, We sound crazy it just yeah. <laughs> you know right, I mean? right
0: and and yeah and and with that you know um i don't know it, when you feel like you're not being objective anymore that that you are becoming the case is a precarious place to be because you start going like okay well, am I even grounded anymore? How do I even approach this now that I'm a part of this story right yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it and it can make one self-conscious when you're trying to tell this narrative and and, and trying to help shape it with with ultimate context but, but 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 I understand something really strange happened to you and and you were pulled in to to a narrative after you were a speaker at uh, the new Kirk's uh, phenomenoncon ph- ph- phenomena yeah. phenomena
1: yeah. yeah, the second one, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, this is probably, you know, a lot of strange things have happened, you know, since I started this whole uh, investigation. Mm. But, um, yeah, I, I was a speaker and uh, for context prior to to, to doing the, the lecture. Um, and they were super gracious to have me as a guest. You know, can't thank them enough, uh, especially for, for helping us with all this. But um, so... I was trying to find a series of uh, journals, which are called the um, uh, Cincinnati. It's the Cincinnati Journal of uh, uh, of Ceremonial Magic, right? And it's published by a group called the Bait Cabal. It was in the 1970s. Um, they were led by a woman uh, who went by the name Nema. And so, this group—they were a Typhonian order. Uh, a lot of the stuff I didn't know any of this. You know, I'm I'm not a practicing magician. You know, I was really unfamiliar with a lot of the OTO uh, uh, stuff, mm-hmm. and you know, I knew who Kenneth Grant was. I obviously, knew who Crowley was, but I didn't know that Kenneth Grant really did subscribe to this Lovecraftian mythos idea, right? Or um, this whole like tunnels of set. So this group, this magical order, at the time, you know, Cincinnati is called Queen City, and then Somerset is called Little Queen City. Oh. And and there's a railroad that goes from Cincinnati to Somerset. If you die within 20 feet of the railroad, there's an easement, and you're, it's considered a murder in Cincinnati, right? Oh, or, wow. or a death in Cincinnati. Huh. And uh, so so there's always been this sort of people come here to vacation. You know, this is a, a resort town on Lake Cumberland. And so um, this bait cabal group, they were coming to the Mount Victory area of Pulaski County, and performing these rituals. And they believe that there were these um, non-human intelligences that existed in another dimension. And they believe that oh, wow. they, they believed that the Adena had opened up a, a portal, basically uh, that they call the Cincinnati vortex over top of Daniel Boone national forest. That's where NEMA came. That's, mm. that's part of the County. And so they really did believe they were doing these time magic rituals to to stop these beings from, you know, making an incursion into our world.
0: Oh my gosh. And so these, these people had books or guides and, and obviously you want those.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I wanted to see if, if they had any references about Pulaski County or pictures, you know? And so anyway, the, they're extremely hard to find. They're extremely expensive, but I found an esoteric book collector in Australia and I bought them. Luckily, And so he said, uh, I'll ship them to you in two weeks when I come up from the mine, which was strange because I was like, there's all this mine stuff, you know. Um, (laughs) But it turned out he was a scaffolder in Perth for some type of mining thing. It was totally totally normal, but I'd never heard of it before. But anyway, so I ordered the books. So I'm trying to finish the production on the show. I do the Phenomenicon 2 lecture. A couple days afterwards, um, I was working late at our studio. I came home about three o'clock in the morning and then fell asleep on the couch. And I was having this dream that I was in a parade and that I could see uh, all the people lining the street and and they were high fidelity, but there was this uh, one thing that was like a stick person in the crowd. And I remember mm. thinking, well, that's kind of strange. But my perspective, my consciousness kept moving with the parade. But this Shape pulled my uh, perspective back to look at it. And then, you know, I kind of pulled away and tried to continue on with the dream. And it kept pulling me back, trying to make me look at it. And that tug of war, oh, weird! Yeah, it was super weird, right? I've never had anything like this happen. But the tug of war caused me to become lucid for a second and realize I'm dreaming. Sure. And then I, then I really tried not to look at it. And it was forcing me to look at it. And that finally caused me to wake up. So mm. I sit up and, you know, I'm, uh, the lights are on the room and this symbol, this stick shape, your drawn shape that I was looking at, I thought was a stick person is burned into my vision as if you, I've been staring at a light bulb wow. and it's like resting on the bridge of my nose. I start freaking out. I'm, you know, my heart's racing. I turn on all the lights in the house um and turn on the tv it took about 20 minutes for this to fade out of my vision right Wow! and i've never had anything like this happen and again you know i don't perform any magic or you know i'm just uneducated in that sense you know and and so i drew the symbol and then in the morning i you know i went back to sleep finally got to sleep i sent it to my research partner Dari, and i was like man i had this weird experience i wonder if it's like a sigil or something and so uh, I reached out to a friend um, and a fellow researcher, uh, Marco Visconti. He's a, a ceremonial magician in England. Mm. And, um, and he was like, yeah, it looks like it could, could have been maybe somebody was intrigued by your lecture and they wanted to know what if you knew more, you know, or had anything you hadn't told anyone. And so maybe they were trying to use sigil magic to probe your mind or something, oh, you know. Interesting. And I, <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know, I don't know about that. I don't know if I subscribe to that or not, but it was an interesting thing. Right. But that was it. Nothing else happened. It was just a weird experience. Didn't know how to describe it. So another week and a half passed. And the, the, the books came in the journals and I open it up and there's there's a ton of them in there. And I pull one out and I open it up and the page I open it to is that symbol drawn out. And the page that's drawn on is talking about pan and set and uh, uh, this whole pan ritual thing. And then in the ritual that was performed in Hellier by Greg you know the knocks, the the Night oh of pan my ritual, gosh. right? Um, and I sent you, I sent you those pictures. Yeah. And it's strange, right? It's an uncanny thing, and 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 I wondered, was it retrocausal? Did I somehow the shock of seeing that somehow cause me to remember it in the past, or mm. did did those people really perform some type of vortex or time magic? in this area that I've been spending time in and somehow we were caught up in some weird, I don't know, eddy of some sort of, of, of what they were doing. I I don't know. I mean, it's, it's so strange, man. It's just another one of these strange parts of the mystery.
0: Um, it's, it's absolutely amazing what you sent me. Uh, I'll, I'll make sure to post that if, if that's okay with you in the show notes when I post this up on the podcast feed yeah. because the the resemblance is is absolutely there the architecture of what that design is coming from a you know an art director who <laughs> pays a lot of attention to silhouettes before creating branded designs and logos um, it's as almost if that was the precursor to that final image that is seen there in that book and how interesting to find yourself in a place where you possibly could stuck be, be stuck between a magical working of sorts and this very charged place and of course like <laughs> that you would be in in the middle of a swirling time vortex there
1: <laughs> that's the thing you know like and some of this stuff too you, you start to put it all together um you know and what we're talking about now seems so esoteric but then there's these strange figures like the Guterma character mr x you know right. that we found in the first season yeah. you know he he buys this mine down here in, in pulaski county and the mine it turns out was owned by vice president spiro agnew and it's like <laughs> why, why does the vice president of the united states own this mine at the end of the 1970s when he bought it yeah and then wow. this figure's a possible nazi intelligence agent that was uh, tied into the jfk assassination all this stuff so that was right. the first season and i was like there's no way we could find something this crazy. And then during the course of producing the second season, we found this figure named Chuck Hayes. And if you Google him and go deep into, uh, all the conspiracy conspiracy stuff online, there's two X files, uh, episodes based (laughs) on this guy. It ties into Danny Casalero and the octopus and this whole, I mean, I was just, I, I couldn't believe it. I just, I thought, so that's two people that shouldn't exist. You know, they're they're such larger than life characters, you know, but they exist here. And it's like, were they drawn to this place because of something inherent in it? I, I don't know.
0: What is the relationship to those early spooks and these charged places? Because every time we go into the history, whether it's Point Pleasant and the surrounding area, whether it's Pulaski County, whether it's Maury Island these same individuals keep popping up and have some sort of interaction with the narrative that is shaped. So, so what? So what is going on there? <laughs> I don't
1: know. I mean, that's because that is the thing. It's like you you're in the paranormal, and then these these spooks pop up. Exactly. You know, it's like the uh, Kelly Hopkinsville thing. Yeah. That's the only time. That's the only official case that the CIA has ever sent an agent to do a report on. And they sent a stage magician, John Mulholland, the guy that mm. wrote their, their book on uh, pickpocketing and all that stuff, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so they actually sent him on behalf of the CIA to see if the, the goblins were some kind of, you know, I guess a, a Cold War trick, right? You know, um, but yeah. it's so strange a stage magician. And then that guy shows up in the, uh, uh, if anyone's ever seen Wormwood. But the story of uh, Frank sure. Ol- Frank Olson, you know right. the the LSD, the MK Ultra stuff. That same stage magician, uh, his business card was in Frank Olson's uh, wallet after he was thrown <laughs> from the window, and and supposedly jumped from you know committed suicide. But a lot of people think he was thrown from the window. But it's like all of these people, and it's like what is all of this tied into? Is it
0: going to be amazing when the individuals right now who are obsessed with this kind of UAP disclosure movement, right, Uh, the new individuals that are interested in this and and maybe are not predisposed to how intertwined the history of UFOs are with American conspiracy and that you almost can't separate the two? uh, They're uh, they're so foundational in the modern era.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And especially if you look at um, George Hunt Williamson and Adamski, right? Yeah. And and these guys at Mount Palomar. And then Downard shows up at the same time they're there. And, uh, you know, <laughs> really? we found, yeah, Downard is there when Adamski's there. And that's uh, one of the episodes uh, that's coming up. This season. Oh, I can't wait for that one. uh, And and did you know there was an OTO lodge on Mount Palomar, where Adamski was, where these contactees, like where that movement started? There's an OTO lodge there that Jack Parsons
0: attended. (laughs) I was just going to mention (laughs) Parsons involved because he was right there in the desert.
1: Yes, man. And I was like, this is this is bizarre. There has to be a connection between you know George Hunt Williamson and Adamski and all of this weirdness. But George Hunt Williamson was suspected of being an intelligence agent. You know, oh, and and then he's tied into the silver shirts and George Rockwell and all of this right wing extremism.
0: OK, so it, individuals that are listening right now, sorry to cut you off, Nathan. I know that, you know, after every single Night Drift, I get tons of messages now from folks, which I, I really am thankful for that people are re- responding to Night Drift. It took a little bit for people to understand, like what was going on with this program, because it's kind of so different from the, you know, the mainline documentary series. But uh, I will. I will get requests for reading lists, and people have been taking like pen to pad and like writing down names and exploring these things. As people are doing that, what would you recommend them to keep in mind while they're starting to travel down this new rabbit hole of UFO conspiracy? The, the thing,
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh my god! Uh, the thing I would definitely tell everybody is to whatever you're finding always try to find where that came like keep going back right because whatever you find is just the surface of it and and there's you need to have context for all of this right it's it's just like what we said about a damski if you just take a damski and the contactees at face value you're going to miss the underlying context right that's even more fascinating and I yeah. think that's a big thing is that you've got to go deeper with everything, you know?
0: Yeah. One foot in, one foot out, you know? Yeah. yeah. Keep in yeah. mind that all of this is uh, a lot of tricksters involved too. Oh, with This God. entire thing. So you don't know what is real sometimes. Well, Nathan, uh, it was amazing chatting with you again, my friend. I would love to have you back on soon. Um, it, I, good luck with everything, Penny Royal. And where can people find the podcast?
1: Uh, it's on all the platforms um, you know I let, Spotify looks great with, with the colors and everything but um, our website is uh, uh we have a Patreon that folks can join too the Liminal Lodge if you want to help us out with the research and uh, yeah thank you so much Jim for having me back on the show you don't know how much I appreciate it so. awesome
0: thanks man well good night everybody thank you so much for listening tonight, Night Drift again until next time keep looking up jim perry on spotify and subscribe on apple podcast to receive new episodes of night drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes